And by the way, I always fail to mention this, and the reason why I'm thinking of it today is because I came to church, I didn't have my checkbook with me, my wife wasn't here to drive a check from her, and so I, I forget to mention this, and I'm sorry, if you're ever in the situation that I was in this morning, uh, you can go to nhbcaurora.com slash give and give online if the Lord leads you to do that. Job chapter 23, and I'm going to have you stand with me for just a moment. Job 23 in one hand and John chapter 5 in the other. Job 23 in one hand and John chapter 5 in the other. I don't know why. I can't tell you always. I don't know that I can always put my finger on why this is, but for whatever reason, there's kind of a theme in the last couple of weeks, and it has to do with how you respond to trouble. And uh, you're going to have trouble in this life, and you're not going to get away from that until you get to heaven. Um, If you don't want trouble, you're looking for heaven. And I got good news for you. If you're saved, you're going there. Amen? Amen. But I've got some, some news of reality to, to present to you as well. Uh, you will not escape trouble in this life. And, and I want to make this statement, and I want to be very, very pointed in what I'm saying. Some trouble, listen very carefully, comes from God. Amen. Some trouble comes from God. Look at Job 23. Look, if you would, at verse number 8. Behold, I go forward, but he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, this is Job talking about God, but I cannot behold him. In other words, he can't find the Lord in his life at this time of trouble. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. You ever feel like that when you're in trouble, like, where's God? That, that's literally what Job is saying here. Uh, look at verse number uh, 10. But he knoweth the way that I take, even when I don't know what's going on. Thank God he does, amen. amen. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as what? Gold. As gold. There's a refining process that has to take place. Look down, if you would, at verse number 15. Therefore am I troubled at his presence when I consider I am afraid of him. Talking about God. For God maketh my heart, what? And the Almighty troubleth me. Look at John chapter number 5. There are some things that are said in the book of Job that are not factual statements. There are some things that are said by Job's friends that are misconceptions about God, but I I don't think this is one of them. Uh, Matter of fact, I I think there's a consistent theme throughout the Bible that oftentimes God allows trouble in the lives of his his children, of his people, for a certain reason. Look at John chapter 5, look at verse number 1. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there's at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for someone to stir things up a little bit. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. A certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is what? To put me into the pool. But while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk, and immediately 
the man was made what? And took up his bed and walked, and on the same day was the Sabbath. I want to talk to you about why God troubles our waters. Why does God trouble our waters? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And uh, Brother Joe, if you'd open this up in a word of prayer, sir. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen. Be seated if you would. Let me just say this much. If you're not saved, the greatest trouble that you could ever have in this life, the greatest trouble you could ever experience in this life is dying and going to hell without Jesus Christ. Now, if you're saved, that trouble is taken care of for you. However, after that, you've got other things in your life that are going to be troubling. And the Lord is going to do His best to get you through those things, but you have to understand that God God allows those things in your life at times, not because He's a mean God, but because there are things in your life that would never come to fruition, they would never come to light, that parts of character in your life that would never come to the surface without God allowing trouble into your life. Now, the reality is this, most of us don't want trouble. It, most of us, you, if you take a poll today, who wants trouble this morning in their finances? Who wants trouble with their health? Who wants trouble in relationships? Everyone would say, no, no, no. If God gave us the choice, am I right? However, it does, it's oftentimes thrust upon us, and the question we ask when it is, is why? Why did this happen? Is that not a, that, is that not a reality for us? When, when bad things happen, it is our temptation to go, why is this happening to me? You know what the, the oldest theme in the Bible is? Is why do the righteous suffer? And that's pointed out in the book of Job. And so here you've got the, this, this old, ancient writing about this man that lived in the land of Uz, not the land of Oz, the land of Uz. And here this man is, and, and, and you don't know much about him. He's kind of an obscure character. He's got money, he's got health, he's got fortune, he's got land, he's got children. He's got all this stuff, and then it's all gone. And then when he's talking to God, he says this, The Almighty troubleth me. And you might look at that and go, man, why would God trouble anybody? Doesn't it say that the devil was the one that's trying to get in and and try to destroy his life? And the answer is yes, but you have to ask this question. Can't God stop that? So why does he allow it? See, oftentimes, listen, the atheist will go, I can't believe in God because if God is so loving, why would he allow this? Am I right? They ask that question. Can I say that's a fair question? But let me just say this much. I, I cannot necessarily answer that for a lost world. What I can say is this, is that for the lost world, there's free will. That's an easy one. We can say, hey, bad stuff happens because we live in a wicked world. But for the saved child of God, you know what it is? There's a purpose and an intention for the trouble that God allows in your life. Now listen, 
If you're the person that goes, man, I was driving to church this morning, and I was going 90 in the 55, and I got pulled over, and I just knew that Satan was after me. No, Satan's not after you. The state patrol is, because you're going 35 miles over the speed limit. All right, listen, if you're the one that goes, man, you know, I've, I've been tithing, but I haven't paid my IRS taxes in five years. God, would you hide me under my, no, 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 don't, don't do that. Whenever you do get arrested, don't say, God, the devil's coming. No, 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 that, that's not the almighty troubling you. That's called stupid tax. And we've all paid stupid tax before, have we not? We've all done something in our lives. We go, man, this really stinks. Now, look, that, that's easy to decipher. Why is this going to, Lord, why is this happening? Why does my wife, why is she so upset? You forgot Valentine's Day. That's why she's angry. Amen. I mean, there are some things that you do, and you pay the consequences for it. And then there's some things in life that are just hard to figure out. I, I've had Christian parents bury a baby. I remember sitting at the, the family is in California because he's in the Air Force, and they wanted their daughter that was stillborn buried here. And I presided over that service. What are you going to do with that? Let me tell you something. There's some hard things that happen to God's people. You get the phone call from the doctor, and it's stage whatever. And now you got to think about, how do I deal with this? we got friends up the mountain who just lost their pastor, Brother Bob Campbell. Oh, all things work together for good. That, that doesn't, that, that's that's going to get you punched in the face. Sometimes you got to kind of step back and go, I, I can't answer for that, but I, I need to look at my life. And when things are happening in my life as a believer, Lord, I want to respond the right way. The Bible says, let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer, as a busybody in other men's matters. In other words, you can suffer for your own foolishness. You can, but sometimes you go through some trouble that is authored and ordained by the Lord. The, the word trouble is from a Latin word, turbo, turba. It's, it's, it means to, uh, uh, to turn or to stir, to whirl about. So over there in John 5, where we're reading, where it talks about the angel going in there and troubling the water. L- listen, understand that that troubling takes place because I'll say it like this. Still water is beautiful, but it's not always the greatest drinking water supply. You don't always want to drink from the, the, the thing that never moves. Sometimes that's the worst place, especially if you live in East Palestine, Ohio right now, right? But if, if, you're, if you're, I just want to be near the still waters where nothing is moving and there's no problems. And there's, yeah, but that water may not be healthy for you to drink. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you need some movement in your life to get things where they ought to be for your own good, even if you can't see that. That angel would step down and move that water around. And that impotent man looked up when the Lord talked to him, and he says, I, I have no man to get me in there. I, I see that troubling of the water. I know that that's for my good. I am just so weak at this point in my life with what I've been facing. I can't even get the help that I need. Ever been there before? Peter says, I think as long as I'm in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. You see, what, what, what does that mean? What that means is this, is that in the Christian life, sometimes you need to be stirred up a little bit. You know, if you come to church and you never get moved by anything, you got to question if you're in the right church or something. Some, things ought to move you. The Bible says Jesus Christ was moved with compassion. 
And, and, and if you're not careful, I'll just say this. Being sedentary, a sedentary lifestyle can slowly kill you. You know what they say out in the world? Movement is medicine. You know why they say that? It applies spiritually. If you're just sitting when you need to be moving, that can cause spiritual death. Here's this impotent man. He sees the troubling of the water and knows it's good for him. And I don't know why this guy's been sick for 38 years. I have no idea. I don't know. I'll say this much. I don't know if that goes back to his birth. I don't know. I don't, you can go all the circumstances. We're going to find out later on that I think there's something that, that's deep-rooted in his life that points and gives us a clue as to where the sickness came from. But I don't know why he's been dealing with it for 38 years. I can't tell you that. 38 years is a long time to deal with a sickness. And let me just say this. If you're lost without Jesus Christ, you might be 30, you might be 20, you might be 10. If you're lost without Jesus Christ, you've got a disease and it's called sin. And you need the Lord Jesus Christ to heal you of that first and foremost. And after you're saved, there are other issues in your life because the Bible says, uh, 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 give me thine heart. Why? Because out of it are the issues of life. And deep buried down inside, there are issues uh, in your character and in your being and within your soul that only God can deal with through trouble coming into your life. Can I say this? When you ask why me, that's a fair thing. We do that, but it doesn't offer a solution. It makes it all about you, creates a victim mentality, and can I say this? It can lead to depression. You better learn to not just say, why me? You better learn to say, Lord, why are you doing this? Not why me, but Lord, why are you? What is the purpose? What do you want to accomplish in my life? I read this, and God said, if, if you never felt pain, then how would you know that I'm a healer? If you never went through difficulty, how would you know that I'm a deliverer? If you never had a trial, how could you call yourself an overcomer? If you never felt sadness, how would you know that I'm a comforter? If you never were in trouble, how would you know I would come to your rescue? If you were never broken, how would you know that I can make you whole? If you never had a problem, how would you know that I can solve them? If you never had any suffering, how would you know what I went through? If you never went through the fire, then how would you become pure? If I gave you all things, how would you appreciate them? If I never corrected you, how would you know that I love you? If you had all power, then how would you learn to depend on me? If your life was perfect, here's what God would ask. What would you need me for? Hudson Taylor says, carrying the cross, he's a, mi- a famous missionary, carrying the cross does mean fellow- following in Jesus' footsteps. And in his footsteps are rejection, brokenheartedness, persecution, and death. He said this, there are not two Christs, an easygoing one for easygoing Christians and a suffering one for exceptional believers. There's one Christ, and the question is, are we willing to follow his lead? Well, I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. All right, take up your cross and follow me. Well, Lord, <laughs> about that, uh, can we like, can, we, can I take up a scooter? Can I take up a, 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 an ATV? Can, can I take up another method of transportation? I'd rather not carry a cross. Lord, is there another way to become like you? And the answer is unfortunately no. You want to know who God is? You got to learn to take up your cross. You want to learn who God is? You got to learn to deal with suffering and trouble in your life the right way. You know what we're dealing with? We're dealing with a prosperity gospel, spoiled brat generation of Christians. Where it's all about me, and God didn't give me this, and where was God? You know what I love about, about, about people? They'll put God at the bottom of their list until there's trouble in their life, and then they go, where have you been, God? And God's like, I've been watching you be a fool for the last 30 years. 
and you want to blame God for all the... How about taking some credit for the trouble and give God the credit for the blessings every once in a while? The truth is this, though. We are living in a generation where pastors have said, if you let God in your life, he's going to bless you and give you this and give you that. Listen, the Bible says he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings, which does not mean a Corvette and a mansion and a 401k. It's not what it's talking about. It's talking about your walk with God, your sense of purpose, your sense of belonging, your sense of acceptance. You are blessed in Christ because of what he did for you. But every once in a while, God brings trouble in your life for a reason to say, hey, I want you to remember this is about me, not you. I, I want you to remember that, that, that there's some things beyond this life that are better than what you have right now. Can I say this? If everything was perfect in your life, you'd never want heaven. And some of you would never even talk to God. You know why God brings some trouble in your life? We're going to learn about this. In John chapter 5, there's a man here who sees the value of God troubling the water in his life. Look, if you would, at verse number 2 in our passage, notice he mentions that they're in Jerusalem by the sheep market. Why does it mention the sheep market? I've always thought about that. You know why I think it does? Because all we like sheep have gone astray. You know why I think this setting is by the sheep market? It's a reminder that as human beings, we don't know. I literally saw a video this week where this guy has this sheep that's stuck in a ditch, and its mud is up to its, you know, up to its hind part over here. And the, the shepherd goes, climbs under barbed wire, grabs the sheep, puts them under the barbed wire, sets them free. And he gets under there, and the sheep looks at him and goes, ah, and literally jumps over the fence back in the ditch. <laughs> you know what that is? That's you. <laughs> That's me when the Lord sets us free from us. Thank you, God. Let me go right back into that mess. You know why he mentions there by the sheep market? To remind us all we like. We are feeble like sheep. And we don't always understand what God's doing. We don't always understand his guidance and his direction. Look at verse number two. Notice it mentions the five porches. You say, why does it mention that? Because five is the number of death in the Bible. And to be seated when you need to be moving is, in fact, death, be it, albeit maybe slow. When the Lord says, hey, I want you to get in the midst of the trouble, and you go, man, I just, I can't even get there. You say, why? I, I'm so weak, I'm impotent. Can I say this? If that man had not come across Jesus Christ, he would have died in that condition because no man cared for his soul. What a great reminder, by the way, is you're a saved, born-again child of God. When you walk by people and you've got your problems and you've got them and you walk by people that are lost and they can't even get enough strength to get themselves to where they need to get to get the help that they need, that's your job to help them, amen? It's your job. But at times, we might feel like that impotent man. You might go, man, I don't even know how things got so mad. You ever been there as a Christian? I don't even know how I got so depressed, how I got so upset. I don't know how I got so bad, how the fight got this bad. I don't know how this thing got so big in my life, but here I am. And everyone's kind of waiting for something. Look at verse 3. Just They know something's going to happen. They're not sure what it is. I'll tell you what you need in your life. You need the Lord to move. That's what you need. Can I say, before you, you go to the psychologist, ask the Lord to move. But before you go to the world, ask God. Listen, I, I'm just, as a pastor, I've watched this shift in our churches where it's no longer God. What do you think about this? It's, hey, professional, what do you think? Now, look, I'm not saying there's not a place for a doctor and a place for this and a place for that, but there are some things that are spiritual and emotional from within you 
that another human being that doesn't have enlightenment from the word of God cannot help you with. One time in the Gospels, Jesus is going to help this family that's crying because their daughter is sick. And uh, at our house, when someone is um, not keeping food down, dad's the one that jumps in. If my wife even hears it, it's game over. Because then it's not just one person sick, now it's two people that are sick. Can I get anybody else like that? You know what I'm talking about? So last night, you know, I'm, I'm rubbing Emma's back, and she's not feeling so good, and all that kind of stuff. And all I could think to myself is, God, please take this away. That's naturally what you do as a parent. God, would you please take this away? I, I cannot imagine having a daughter that is nigh unto death, and I'm that close to Jesus, and then someone brings me word, and they say, hey, your daughter died. You know what they said to, the, to, to those people there? They said to those people, hey, trouble not the master. In other words, don't even bother him with this. But you know what I love about the Lord? When they said, don't trouble him, he said, hey, 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 don't, who just said not to trouble me? What's going on? How can I help? And he turned to them and he said, hey, your daughter's going to be alive. Don't worry. And he brought her back from the dead. You know what that shows me? He doesn't mind being troubled by us at all. The question is, can you take some trouble from him? You like it when you go, God, I'm in trouble, and he's right there. Can you reciprocate that when the Lord allows a little bit of trouble in your life? Or is it, you know what, God, if you're going to deal with me this way, then I'm done. I, I just love it when people do that. Like, like you're going to make God like less God because you took your toys to the other party. You know, God, this is how you're going to deal with me. Then I just quit. And all of a sudden, all the Christianity comes crumbling down because you quit. That's not how that works. God is still on his throne. Do you know who misses out? You're the one that misses out. Listen, God brings trouble and he troubles the waters in our life for a reason. Look with me if you would at Mark chapter number four. Mark chapter four. I'm kind of on a Hudson Taylor kick, so bear with me. He said this, all our difficulties are only platforms for the manifestations of God's grace, power, and love. Amen. We don't see it that way when we're going through it, but that's the truth. Look at Mark chapter number 4. Mark chapter number 4. Mark 4, look if you would at verse number 35. And the same day when the even was come, he, Jesus, saith unto them, the disciples, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships, and there arose a great what? Question. Was it not the Lord that said, let's go to the other side? All right. Isn't the Lord the one that knows the thoughts of their hearts before they speak? Isn't he the one that did not need the weather app to know what the weather was going to do before it actually happened? So what's the deal? And let me ask you this. What great sin had the disciples committed at this point? You know what the answer is? None. (laughs) So why in the world does God, knowing the storm is going to be there, why does he put them in a troubled water? Look, if you would, at verse number 38. And he, Jesus, was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? Isn't that what you ask the Lord when you're going through trouble? Lord, don't you care? Listen, I, I, got, I got news for you. Uh, I sleep very, very soundly. And my wife does not. 
and every little noise. Last night, you know, if Emma just turned a little bit on the couch, honey, honey, honey. <laughs> and I jumped, literally, not joking, I jumped three times. Out of, I literally, boom, jumped. You say, why? Because normally I'm accused of sleeping through everything. So I'm like, not this time, man. I want to be dad of the year. So I'm jumped up, and I run out there. And I came back and said, babe, I appreciate your enthusiasm, but she is asleep. Oh, I'm so sorry. Oh, oh it's, so, so it's okay. It's okay. Go back to bed. Honey, honey, honey. Three times. <laughs> Normally, I am like sound asleep, like just gone out. And you know what happens when you're the guy that falls asleep? You know what happens when you can just sleep through anything and your spouse can't? They don't appreciate that. All right, can I get a little show of hands? How many of you men can sleep through about anything? How many of you wives do not? Raise your hands. All right, there we go. We just took our poll. We know what's going on here. All right, this is Marriage Counseling 101. Ladies, you cannot hate him for sleeping soundly. Here's why he does that. All right, he does not have the same exact maternal instinct built into him that you do. All right, I mean, for real, literally, the, the boys, the, the kids could be doing something in front of me and someone could be bleeding, and I'd be like, ah, they're okay. Oh, honey. My wife, you know, getting the bandage out, you know, and, well, did you not see what they're, I'm like, yeah, but no one's dying yet, you know, so I figured it's okay. <laughs> they look at the Lord, and they're pretty upset about it. You know what they said? Lord, what's the deal? Don't you care? How could you sleep through this? Well, the reason he could sleep through it is because he knew exactly, he was confident of the purpose for their situation, and they weren't. Do you know why you get full of anxiety? Do you know why you take it out on other people, even as a born-again child of God? You know, I take it out on your kids sometimes, parents. You spouses take it out on each other. You kids take it out on the siblings and on your parents. You know why you do that? You know why some Christians will take it out on the pastor? You know, what, you know why that happens? Because you don't understand why you're going through that. I'm trying to help you this morning. Instead of saying, why me, say, Lord, why are you troubling the waters? Because I know there's some healing in this room. I think the Lord knew exactly what he was doing. Look, if you would, at verse 39, he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. How do you go from a great storm in verse 37 to a great calm in verse 39? I'll tell you how you go from one to the other. You have a great Savior in your boat. Amen. And while it may look like he's asleep and he doesn't care, he's trying to show you how you need to live your life. Well, Lord, I, I, have, to, I have to watch. Okay, let me ask you this. It's just like watching the news. Do you actually have to know about every train that gets derailed? No. Do you have to know about every... Pro no, you don't. Can I, can I say that's not going to help you? I have to watch all the waves. I have to see what the wind's doing. I have to, what is that going to do to you? Not, Jesus knew what was going on. You know what he was doing? Sleeping. And it's not because he was lazy. It was because he goes, this is in my father's hand, and there's a purpose in all of this. Look at John chapter 5. Come back with me to our main passage. Can I say that the gap between a great storm and a great calm is simply the extent to which you allow the Lord to trouble your waters? You know, it's one thing to go, fine, God, that's how it's going to be. I'll go through it. It's another thing to say, Lord, I think you're trying to teach me something. Yeah. 
You know what? You know why some of you keep going through the same class over and over and over? You haven't learned a lesson yet. You ever find yourself going, we were just here. This just keeps happening. I just don't know why. I just, now look, if again, let's, let's go through the list, uh, the, the proper list. Did I do or say something stupid? If the answer is yes, this is why this is happening. Amen? But if not, then I go, okay, Lord, then you're trying to teach me something, and I want to go through this the right way. I am tired of going through this the same way every single time with anxiety, with stress, with this burden, instead of going, I want to learn, Lord, teach me. Can I say he troubles our waters to remind us of our need? Look, if you would, at verse number three, that's a list right there. (laughs) Impotent, blind, halt, withered. You know what that shows? That shows a group of needy people. I mean, imagine trying to build a softball team with that. <laughs> All right, you know, we got the impotent, we got the blind, we got the halt, we got the withered. We're going to take it this year. Man. We're going we're gonna to go to state, you know. Like, 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 all joking aside, that, that's not how you build a team. And yet, that's who is there. And can I say this? God can work with impotent and blind and halt and withered, just like he can work with discontented and distressed and in debt. God is great at taking the outcasts and doing something great with their lives. But do you know what outcasts have to realize? I am an outcast. And I, don't, I cannot do this on my own. I am a needy person as a church. You know what we say to God? God, we are a needy people. You know why we say that? Because when we are confronted with a building, for example, that we can't afford, we go, God, you got to do this. Amen, amen, and amen. And in every situation in your life, you know what God does when that trouble comes in? You know what you realize? I'm not as strong as I think I am. You know what you do when you watch someone else go through trouble? (laughs) That's an easy one. Give God some glory, Joe. What's your problem? (laughs) I I can say that when he's going through it. That's easy watching somebody. Come on now. Don't look at me like that. It's easy watching someone else go through a problem and go, oh, yeah, I know what that is. And when it comes knocking at your door, it's a whole different story. Can I, can I point out to you that impotent means without power and omnipotent is the character of God. He is all-powerful. Do you know what happens when trouble comes in your life? It reminds you that you are the weak one on the ground and you are in need of his help. And let me just say this. If everything in your life went exactly the way that you wanted it all the time, you would never look up. You would constantly be looking down on those around you. God allows trouble in our lives then puts us on our backs so we can go, Lord, I need you. I need you. You know what Lucifer says? I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. You know what the mantra today is? I am. I am beautiful. I am lovely. I am, just look in the mirror and tell yourself, I'm beautiful. I'm amazing. I'm wonderful. Do you know what the I am is? That's the name of God. It's not your name. <laughs> you going, oh no, I'm amazing. And I'm, that's, you're still impotent. You can't get off the ground. Listen, if you think you're so great, ask yourself this question. How many times did you think today about making your lungs breathe? You know what God could do? Just like that. Shut it down. The fact that you are upright right now is a miracle in and of itself. I will especially say to all the men in this room, it's a miracle for you. The stupid stuff we do as young men, 
dude, jump. Just don't think about it, bro. Yeah, that's stuff. It's a miracle. Now that I've got boys, I'm reminded of all these things. But it's a miracle that we're sitting here and the blood's pumping and the lungs are functioning and your, your mind and your brain are working and God gives you the ability to do what you're doing in your life. It is a miracle that you have that much. When the trouble comes in, it's a reminder, God, I can't do all this on my own. You know, Peter says, depart from me for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. He gets in the presence of God and he goes, I know who I am because I'm in the right presence of the right person. You know why God allows trouble in your life? Because sometimes you forget who you are. You forget that you need him. Moses meets God in the backside of the desert, and God says, take off your shoes, Moses. Moses meets with, or God, God meets with Jacob. <laughs> and, and you know, the story of Jacob is really interesting. Je- God, God gets there in Genesis 32, and, and they're about to have that wrestling match between the angel of the Lord, that's God, and Jacob. And he goes to Jacob and goes, hey, what's your name? He says, my name is Jacob. And, and you know what's interesting about that? A couple chapters earlier, when his dad was going, who's there? He goes, oh, it's me, Esau. He lied about who he was, and he covered it up. Now he's exposed before God, and he goes, nope, my name's Jacob. That means liar, deceiver, supplanter. Here I am. I am a mess, and God, I need you. Very different man. You say, what's the difference between uh, Jacob later in life versus earlier? Jacob had to go through some trouble. can, Can I say this? No change can happen in your life without first confession taking place. Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night. And you know, he comes to him and he gives him all the flattery and Jesus just turns to I love how the Lord deals. The Lord doesn't gloss over issues. He deals with them all. With grace, thank God, but he deals with them. Nicodemus comes to him and he goes, uh, Lord, we know thou art a master in Israel. No man can do the miracles which thou doest except God be with him and thou be sent of God. And the Lord goes, okay, anyways, you must be born again. You know what the Lord does? He goes, let's just take all the veneer off and let's talk about your need. Let's talk about who you are and why you need me. And as people, there's something inside us. He goes, I don't, I don't need anybody, especially as Americans. Proud to be an American, where at least I know individualistic. I don't need you. You know, I'll do my thing. You do yours. And the Lord goes, hey, but now you're a born-again child of God. And you do need me. And you need to drop your pride and understand that you are a needy person. You know what that man said in verse 7? Sir, I have no man. You know what, you, you know what the Lord does? The, the Lord wants you to utterly rely on him. You will never get there if everything goes the way you want it in your life. You know why trouble comes? To show you you need him. Let me ask you this. Let's be honest. Let's take a poll. When you're going through trouble, are you more inclined to pray when you're in trouble or when you're not in trouble? Can I ask you a question? Didn't God save you for fellowship with him? You know, you know, if a kid learns that the only time they get attention is by misbehaving, you know what they do? Now, I don't want to make God a sinner. That's not what I'm doing here, but I want you to think about this for a moment. If the Lord realizes the only time he gets real close, intimate fellowship with you is when you're in trouble, do you think maybe he might allow it in your life a little more often? Maybe so you can learn who you are and how you need him? And maybe the trouble wouldn't be as prevalent if you could just live in that state more often. I think we live in a time where I I rub the lamp and God, you haven't shown up and given me what I want yet. 
And the Lord's going, no, no, it's not how that works. The trouble in your life is to show you that you need something from me. And not just something from me, but you need who I am in your life. I like the story of Zacchaeus. You say, why? Because I can relate to Zacchaeus. He was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Amen? He climbed up into the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. Can I say that sometimes the Lord troubles our waters just to show us that he's there when nobody else is? Can I, can I point out in verse 7, this man says, I have no man. David says this, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. I love the song, Jesus, lover of my soul. <laughs> because when people don't care, he does. Trouble oftentimes comes in your life so that you can understand that God is there the entire time. Can I point something out in the passage? Who finds who first? The man doesn't find Jesus. Jesus goes to that man. Can I say this? That was a sign. That was a way for the Lord to go. I want you to know impotent man who is unnamed, by the way. Why do you suppose he has no name? He's called a certain man at a certain season. Why? Because he's a reflection, a picture, a parallel, uh, a type, if you will, a symbol of all of us in our lives at certain seasons of our lives where we go, God, I'm in trouble and I need something and you're not here. And the Lord's like, I've been watching the whole time. I can tell you this, there are times where my boys do stuff and then they're playing their room. And then they look up and they go, <laughs> my dad's watching. Sometime I'm watching even when they don't see me. You know what the Lord's doing? He's watching. And sometimes you go through trouble so you can be reminded that he's actually there. Yeah, I love the story of Zacchaeus because he's, he's trying to find the Lord and he gets, you know, couldn't get to him because of all the people. So he climbs up in the tree. And the Lord just gets to a certain place and goes, hey, buddy, what are you doing up there? It's almost like the Bible is trying to show us that although Zacchaeus feels he's pursuing God, the Lord's pursuing him. And, and there's, there's a lesson in what Zacchaeus did to get there. But at the same time, don't lose sight of the fact that it was the Lord that reached out to Zacchaeus first. He looks up and he sees him in his condition and then he speaks to him. You say, what does God do in our life? He sees where we're at and he speaks to us to help us. You know what happens with Hagar in the Old Testament? The Bible says that after she has this experience with God, she says, I'm going to call this place, Thou God Seest Me. In other words, I didn't think anybody was watching. I didn't think anybody cared. But you know what? You did. Moses left Egypt and found God in the wilderness. Jacob fled from his brother and found God in a wrestling match. Joseph was thrown into prison and found God there. The Bible says the Lord was with him. Do you know that? It says it about Jesus Christ as well. The Lord was with him. He's with him in the garden. And he's with him on the cross. Up until which time he goes, my God, my God, why is thou forsaken? The Lord's with him. He's watching everything that's going on. You know what that reminds me of? That it's not just in the good times that God's watching and that God's blessing 
and that God's using and that God's moving. Sometimes it's in those dark moments, those quiet moments where nobody else is around and it seems like nobody else cares and the Lord is there in his silence. He's there watching. His presence is with you. Thank God he'll never leave you nor forsake you if you're a child of God. And when you're going through trouble, when you can't look this way, you can always look up. You know why you go through trouble? To remind you God is there. God is there. Some of you are going to shed some tears in your life. Some of you already have. You know what some of you found out? If you went through it the right way, he was there. You got the story of the, th- the, the Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they get thrown in that fire. And You know the story? Nebuchadnezzar looks up and he sees that there's four men in that fire, and the fourth is like the image of the Son of God. Well, there were only through three of them in there. Where's the fourth one coming from? Well, he was there the whole time. You wouldn't think that that would be where God would be, but it's exactly where he wants to be because it's where his children are. Can can I tell you, I take no pleasure out of watching my child go through sickness. I I take no pleasure out of watching a child get rejected by other kids, but can I say this? There are some things they're going to have to go through in life to become who God has made them to be. And as long as they know that I'm there, they can face a lot of those things. Can I say your heavenly father is no different? Peace comes not from the absence of trouble, but from the presence of God. He says, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. And because of that, we can say the Lord is my helper. Can I ask you a question? Would you rather just have an angel trouble the waters? or Would you rather have the Lord Jesus Christ be there for you? So this impotent man is there, and he's watching everyone, the troubling of the waters. He knows it's a good thing. He's trying to get to it. He's, he knows the Almighty has troubled him, and he's trying to get there, and he can't even get there. And all of his life, 38 years with this infirmity, and I don't know how long he was at that pool waiting for that miracle. And maybe you've been in a certain place in your life waiting for something to pass, waiting for something to change. But let me just tell you, it's far better to have God himself show up than just a manifestation. It is so sweet to know that Jesus Christ was there, God in the flesh, not just an angel. He got, that impotent man got something that the other folks didn't have. Why? Sitting there for a long time thinking no one cared about him. Now let me ask you a question. I mean, I, just, I think about this when I read the Bible. Couldn't the Lord have moved someone to pick him up and throw him in the water, help him out? didn't you see why because i think jesus wanted him to encounter something very special that could not be replicated by anybody else you know why god allows you to go through some trouble for you to experience the fullness of his presence look if you would at verse 14 in our passage afterward jesus found him in the temple and said unto him behold thou art made what Now, look at the next three words. I'm not here to tell you every trouble you have in your life is because of sin, but I will tell you this. Trouble reveals what's in your heart. It may not always be sin. Sin may not always be the problem. But do you know why God allows trouble in your life? You know why he troubles your waters? To get to your heart. You know know what Job says when he says? God maketh my heart soft. You know what happened? You know one of the scariest things? To come to church, hear the Bible over and over and over and over, and you take it for granted. Go, oh, I know what verse he's going to go to. Oh, I've heard that before. And after a while, you hear the message, you hear the songs, you know it, you grew up around it, and your heart just gets hard. Like a stone. 
and nothing moves you. You don't shed tears for lost souls. You don't care about people dying and going to hell. You could care less about what happens in the church. It's just, it's about me and about what's going on in my life. You get hard. You know what God does? God brings trouble in your life. You know why? To soften you up a little bit. And let you go, hey, there's some things in there that need to come out. Now, I can't change you until that happens. You, you know what the Lord does? The Lord allows trouble, not so that he can see what's in there. He already knows. It's so that you can see what's in there. I've learned this. People that go through trouble are some of the kindest people I've ever met in my life. I also know this. People who go through trouble are some of the meanest snakes I've ever met in my life. You know why? Because that trouble, you decide whether you let it make you bitter or better. God brings that trouble in there to go, hey, you're looking at me the wrong way. Hey, you're looking at people the wrong way. Hey, you're looking at life the wrong way. Hey, uh, there's some things you haven't let go of yet. Hey, you care too much about your ego and reputation. Hey, and he's bringing these things out, and they wouldn't come out until you go through that trouble. You know, I'd like to think that we would just automatically just pour out our hearts to God at all times, and it would always be that way, but it's just not. God maketh my heart soft. Come with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Second Corinthians chapter one. Look if you would at verse number four. Who comforted us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any what? You know, you know why Job's friends were miserable comforters. I don't think they got through much trouble yet. Oh, they get to trouble after the whole thing is done. And Job has to pray for them. But you know why they're miserable comforters? They hadn't gone through anything. You know, when you talk to someone, listen, when I graduated Bible school, I knew a lot of Bible, but I couldn't help people the way I can now. You know why? I've been through some things. And I'm not saying that egotistically, like I'm the, I'm the authority here. My point is this, that you can have a lot of knowledge about stuff, but there are some things that are experiential that you go through. And when you go through them and you experience them with God, you come out with a different mindset. And rather than pointing out how everyone did it wrong and how they could do it better, you come in a little bit more gentle and you come in going, man, how can I help you? You say, what is that? It's biblical. It's what Paul went through. Paul has this thorn in the flesh and three times he goes to God and three times God says, my grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. It's not about me removing the obstacle. It's about me making you what you're supposed to be for me and for others. You can't always get that with no trouble in your life. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted to God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. I think when you talk about power, people get excited. You guys remember Tim the Toolman Taylor? Anybody remember that? Am I too old here? More power, you know, get more power. For... Christians, you go, who wants the power of God? Oh, man. Oh, Lord, give me the power. Oh, give me the power. Yes, Lord, give me the power. Bring it, yes, right here. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord. Bring it right here. Not my brother, not my, if it's power, Lord, I want it. Well, doesn't he say in Philippians, 
that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Well, Lord, can I just get the power and not the fellowship of the sufferings? No. No, you can't. Pastor, this is kind of doom and gloom and like really sad. Like, aren't you going to make me feel, I'm trying to help you understand. Your life is a series of events, some of which are troubling. Some of which are specifically designed and orchestrated and ordained by your heavenly father. Partly so he can learn to bring to the surface what's otherwise unseen. You ever, ever looked at someone and kind of judge them for what they're going through and then you go through it and go, hmm. I love it. One of my favorite things. When someone who has never had children is trying to tell you how to raise your kids. <laughs> Anybody ever had that before? Come on, raise your hand. You're in a cool club. It's cool. It's all right. <laughs> you know, well, I was a kid. I get that. I understand that. But there's something about having a child of your own that's going to make you look at this whole thing very differently. Doesn't mean not doesn't mean unbiblically, it means differently. It means you look at that, you say, why? Because now you've gone through it. And when someone's going through a problem, and someone's lost a loved one, and someone's dealing with cancer, and someone's dealing with financial pressure. And look, I'm gonna be the first to tell you, Americans live above their means. We spend more money than we make, it's a problem. Some of those issues are our fault, I get it. But I'll tell you what, when you go through it, you will look at it completely different when God brings you on the other side and you see somebody else going through that than you would without going through it. You know why? If you're not careful, your heart just gets hard for the needs of others. You can't minister to people when your heart is hard. You know what he says? Harden not your heart, as, as in the day of, of provocation. Harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. You know what you do as, as, as a believer, even as a born-again child of God, it is easy to harden your heart. Can, can I... Can I tell a little, a little bit of a story on missionary kids and on pastor kids? Missionary kids and pastor kids, I'm not trying to single you guys out in this room, okay? I'm really not. <laughs> All right, I'm not trying to. But, but you know what's, what's easy for missionary kids and pastor kids to do? It's easy for them to see all the problems because their parents have to deal with it all the time. You know why a lot of pastor kids leave the church? Because they start to look at people as just a bunch of problems. Instead of an opportunity to minister the goodness of God. You know what happens? Your heart gets hard. I'm not just picking on it. This is for everybody. Your heart gets to a point like, yeah, I know what they're going to do. Yeah, well, I've been do- it's because you're idiots. I've been doing that for a long time. Yeah, I- and after a while, you just almost forget you got enough fleas on you to remind you you're also a dog. Why does God bring trouble in our lives? Make our heart soft. I'm going to tell a story. <clears throat> Miss Lenny, you know Brother John Habman. You probably heard he just had a stroke. Pretty rough. He had a, some kind of heart thing that happened, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. And look, he's a good man faithful servant of God, been a preacher, church planner. But I remember when I met him as a young man, it was like, and you better. And I'm not making this up. You'd have to experience meeting him to understand what I'm talking about. I get that some of you don't know him. But I remember after you went through that heart thing, 
Next time you saw me, Brother Dominguez, I love you. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm the that's great, man. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're my friend. And every time he ca I talk to him, every time I see him, he says, I want you to know you're my friend. And I pray for you. You know where some of that comes from? Going through some hardship. And having your heart broken. And when your heart gets broken, God can pick it up, sew it back together. He makes that heart soft. And he reveals what's really going on in there that cannot be revealed any other way outside of you experiencing some trouble. Pressure doesn't make us who we are, but pressure definitely shows us who we've been. It brings it to the surface. You know what pressure does? It, it makes us really realize what we think of ourselves. It shows us what our heart is actually trusting in when we're in trouble. If you've never gone through any financial trouble, you don't know what it's like to go, oh, Lord, how are we going to do this? All right? If you haven't been through the, the problem of a wayward child walking away from the faith and walking away from righteousness, some of you have been through that. And I've watched some of you pray and cry. I could point out what could be done differently, but you know what? That doesn't matter. Here you are. And the thought of my kids walking away from God, you approach that so differently with someone else is going through that. You know why you've been through it? God has made your heart soft not condoning sin or any of that. Don't walk away with that. But what I am saying is this. There are some things that are going to happen in your life. And sometimes after you've done the very best that you can, you're going to have your heart broken. The only person that can pick it up and put it back together is the Lord. You say, Lord, why'd you let that happen? Well, they have free will. <coughs> but the intersection of that person's free will and your broken heart is me being able to put it back together. Go back to John chapter 5 if you would. We're going to close with this thought. I don't want a hard heart. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes it's easy to get your heart hardened. And I think sometimes the Lord allows things simply to keep us tender, to keep us moldable. The Bible says that we're to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And here's a man who wept with those that wept and rejoiced with those that rejoiced. I can't think of a better example in human life than Jesus Christ. 
and he experienced trouble. And through it all, he brought his father glory. You see why? He saw a purpose in it. You see why? Some of that trouble wasn't his trouble. It was our trouble. And he's broken over it. I'm thankful to have a God like that. I think one of the most amazing things about Jesus Christ is the fact that he sees how depraved and how wicked and how ungodly his creation was and yet to be able to weep with them. What an amazing God. He troubles our waters so he can reveal what's in our hearts. He troubles our waters so that we can learn who he really is. You say, what do you mean? Look if you would at verse number 18. Now, if you're saved, you know who Jesus Christ is from a doctrinal standpoint. You know that he's the son of God. That was the debate of the day, verse 18, verse number 19, verse number 20. Uh, You understand all that. But let me just say this much beyond that, as a child of God, there are aspects of the character of God that will never be revealed in your heart and in your life until you go through some of these things. You see, what happens after this man is healed is the Jews start talking and who is Jesus and who is he really? And and, and this man becomes the center of that conversation all because of the transaction that he experienced with Jesus Christ. Can I say this? People are watching your life. They will not know who Jesus is without watching you go through some trouble in your life. They need to see that you handle it in a biblical fashion. They need to see that you can give them some hope. The Bible says, not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope and hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. That hope is spread when we go through trials. It's not just a sermon outline, patience, hope, uh, patience, experience, hope. It's a real life thing. You, when you go through that trouble, God gets you through that and you gain that experience and then that hope is there and that hope is to be blazed abroad through your life and through your testimony. You can't do it until you go through it. Can I ask you a question? Who here has a bachelor's degree or certificate of some kind of education? Raise your hand. Did you have to go through the classes to get it? Do they just give you this thing like, here you go. We think you're a good guy and you'll figure it out eventually. No. You go through the class, you get the certificate. Lord, I want to know who you are. Well, you're going to have to go through the lessons. The Bible calls our Savior the God of hope. You don't experience that. You don't know that until you go through some things. The moment you got saved, God planted the character of Jesus Christ inside of you. Just like that. Here's the problem. (laughs) It's up to you whether you work that out in your life. You know what God does? God brings these trials and tribulations in your life, this trouble, And he troubles that water. He stirs things up sometimes so that that good character of his son can come to the surface in your life. You know what's underneath all that? The affairs of this life, the job, what people think of me, my dreams, my desires. And God goes, let's put the brakes on that. Here's the situation. 
And when that situation comes up, rather than screaming at the sky, why God, why me? Say, Lord, if you can use this to bring your character out in me, please use it. Can I point out in verse number eight, there's some ownership here. (laughs) You say, what do you mean? You messed up the bed, make it. (laughs) There's some obedience in verse number nine. That man immediately is made whole and takes up his bed. Can I say I see some obligation in verse number 14 and 15. He says, you know what? I'm obligated to speak of what I've experienced because of what God's done for me. Can I say he's troubling your waters on purpose to show you your need, to show you his presence, to reveal your heart, and to bring out his character. Can I point out this man says in verse 7, I have no man. And just two verses later, the word immediately and the word whole is used to describe this man's condition. You know, the Lord can do a lot in a short amount of time, but it really involves you responding to the trouble the right way. They all, all, all stand, every head bowed and every eye closed. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And, well, the Christian life is truly the best life. I wouldn't trade it for anything, but life is going to have trouble. It's going to have problems. And Lord, I don't know why you have us on this theme right now, but you do, and I just pray that you'd help us to learn the lesson. And Lord, rather than cussing at the sky, rather than losing our temper, Lord, rather than blowing our testimony, Lord, would you help us to respond the right way? And remember, Lord, there's a purpose in it. There's, there's a why behind it. And Lord, there's some things in our lives that just... They, they don't come to the surface without these troubles. Lord, there's some people in this room that are experiencing some heartache and some heartbreak. Lord, I, I pray that you help them to see that you're watching, you're there. And Lord, you've got their heart in your hands. You can sew it back together. Lord, keep our hearts soft. Keep us reliant on you. Lord, we need this. Life is very easy as 21st century Christians, Lord, and the trouble that does come our way, we don't always know how to deal with it. Mainly because we forget, Lord, that you're you're behind some of it. (laughs) Oftentimes, it's easy to take any kind of friction or problem and just point to the devil. Lord, I've never asked for trouble. I don't know that I can get there spiritually. But Lord, I I will say this. I want to handle it differently. I do. I want to respond differently. Lord, I pray for your people. You help them to do that. The Lord's dealt with you. You got trouble? You can talk to the Lord about it. You got marriage trouble? Talk to him about it. You got financial trouble? Talk to him about it. He might bring some of these things in your life, not that they're pleasant, but he might be allowing some of these things for the reasons we talked about. I'd encourage you to talk to the Lord about those things. Reveal them. You see, these things aren't secret to him. It's not that 
He doesn't know where you're at. It's for your own good that we talk to the Lord, that we respond the right way. Sometimes you forget how needy you are. It's a good thing to experience some humility in your life. Hey God, I, I, I've been doing a lot of this on my own. I haven't really relied on you, and that's on me. I need you. Sometimes you forget he's there. And he allows you to go through it just to remind you of that. And sometimes there's some things in your heart that need to be addressed, and the trouble does exactly that. It brings those things to surface. And once you can deal with your heart, then God can reveal who he is and make you more like him. And that's the goal. See, the Bible says of Jesus Christ, when he's on the cross, it is finished. Paul says, I have finished my course. Those that follow Jesus Christ follow a man that finished what he started. See, what is that? That's character. I want to ask a real simple question as we close this out. We'll have some folks come up before you all to join in membership. Here's the question. Are you a born-again child of God? If the answer is no, would you be honest enough with nobody looking around to slip your hand up and say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't know if I'm saved. If that's you, I'd like to pray for you. I won't point you out, but I'd love to pray for you. If you're here today and you're not sure if you're saved, you're not sure if you ever become a born-again child of God, say why. If you can't deal with that trouble, everything else that I just talked about, it's a moot point. This is the biggest, if you're not saved, that's the biggest trouble to deal with in your life. And he wants to bring his character in your life, but it starts with being a born-again child of God. He'll plant that seed in you, the hope of eternal life and the character of Jesus Christ. Now when there's good stuff that comes to the surface, you know what I know? It's not me, it's him. <laughs> Here's a good rule of thumb. If something's wrong with you, it's, it's you. <laughs> and when something's right with you, it's God. seat if you would if you have to leave it this time no judgment we're kind of long here um but if uh yeah nursery workers if you'd like to uh nursery workers, excuse me parents please go get your little ones out of the nursery if you would uh what we're gonna do is we're gonna invite uh those who are joining in membership with us today to come forward at this time so if that's you come on up and uh, again if you have to leave that's fine if not just be seated just a moment longer we got Brother Matt coming, Lincoln and Jasmine are coming. Amen. Amen. And uh, while they're coming up, let me do this. I'm going to go ahead and introduce to you guys uh, Brother Matt. Uh, Brother Matt found our church, I believe, online, listened to some messages, and came about a year or so ago. Uh, but uh, glad that he's joining a membership now. 
And there was no pressure, just over time he realized this is where God wants me. I want to become a part of this. Very thankful a couple weeks ago he brought a friend uh, from out of state to church and he got saved that Sunday. That was awesome. Uh, Matt, if you'd like to give a word of testimony, go right ahead, brother. Um, I'll just keep this short by saying um, I'm just thankful to God to, uh, for bringing me to this church and doing so in such a way that it's undeniable that he was the one who brought me here. Um, left no doubt. And uh, I am glad I found a church that is uh, full of a bunch of Bible believers that are all like-minded and uh, definitely uh, treat you guys as family, look at you guys as family. And uh, at a time where I could really use family as I've kind of cut out all the people in my life that were, um, although I might have been ministering to them, they were friends that I didn't need in my life. So you guys have kind of taken that place and that role. In my life, and I couldn't be more grateful to uh, to God and to you all. So, uh, thank, you. thank you. Amen. Matt, this is for you. Thank you, bro. Love you, man. All right, you guys come out. It's the second time around, right? Is he out? Is he sleeping? Out. Out. Oh, man. All right, so no sudden loud movements. Okay? Uh, but I'm going to try this. La Frambois. Bois. Bois? Yeah. La Frambois. That's it. Whoa. All right. Uh, it's been a blessing getting to know Lincoln and Jasmine, and uh, I'm thankful that, that Logan and Rebecca found our church, and then he invited his sister. And uh, usually, if you love your family, you do one of two things. You either don't invite them to church because you don't want them to ruin it, or you love them enough to bring them to church, amen, because you think they're going to uh, be a blessing to the church. So all joking aside, it's been a blessing getting to know you guys and, 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 and watching them grow in their walk with the Lord here. Uh, I don't want to say take too much of their thunder, but I can tell you that from their testimony, uh, they just wanted to be in a place where there was family, there was accountability, uh, but also when it came to the teaching and preaching of the Word of God, it was directly from the Word of God. And um, you know what? We, we, can, we can't promise everything to the world, but we can promise that what's going to come from here in this church comes from the Word of God. If we don't have that, guys, we've got nothing. And it doesn't matter how many programs you have. If you don't have the Bible and you don't have God's Word on it, it does not matter. It doesn't count for anything. And I'm thankful for people that want to be in a, in a church where the Bible is taught and where it's preached and they can grow as believers. So that said, this is for you guys. would love for you to give a word if you'd like to say something. Uh, yeah, well, a few months ago when we did the... It wasn't the I Love My Church. It was... Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Right before Thanksgiving, everybody was going around what they were talking about, they were grateful for. And I talked about how it was just really cool to be in a church that was actually preaching the Word of God. But before we were going to other churches where, luckily, y'all don't really experience this here, but every once in a while, you'll hear a message and you'll be like, yeah, 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 30 minutes in, huh? (laughs) And then another 10 minutes go by and another huh and eventually by the end of that sermon you're like okay you know you you might be fine and it happens again next week and the next week and before you know it you're like I don't know if that's even in the bible yeah right and before you know it you're like dude we gotta I think we gotta bounce yeah (laughs) and so luckily we had uh her brother. To be clear, he's not talking about here, okay? <laughs> yeah. Somewhere yeah. else. Somewhere I guess else. I should have made, I yeah. probably should have made that clear. <laughs> but the first, um, actually it first started by us watching the YouTube channel. 
and watching some of that and then watching the Easter service from last year, I saw that sermon and I was like, not a single huh happened in my head, so maybe that maybe we should give that one a shot. And then we were already coming here. We really loved it. And what sold us was when Peacock came. Amen. Amen. Heard that dude preach. And then listening to him talk about how much he loved what Adrian was doing here, I was like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> so be grateful that you guys are actually part of a Bible-believing church. But even more so than that, be grateful that you are not going to a place that puts you at the front of it. Because as much as people will say, man, I need to be in a church that will make sure that the congregation is being put at the front, you don't want to be there. You want to be in a church that goes from the top down. And that's this church. And that's Amen. why we came. That's why we Amen. came. Amen. 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 That's, that is good. I never thought about it like that. You don't want to be in the front. You know who belongs in the front? The Lord does. The Lord does. Uh, you, know, you know why you don't want to be in the front, too? That's where the bullets fly. Amen? <laughs> the Lord will take that for you. Amen? Amen. All those that are glad that these are joining, would you say amen? amen. All right, let's all stand up. We're going to have a word of prayer and pray over them as they join. And uh, if you would, before you head out, come give them the right hand of fellowship. Let them know you're glad that they're joining a membership here. Um, Brother Steon has got his jacket on. That means it, it's cold in here. Is that what it means? That means it's below 80 degrees. Amen. All right. Uh, but uh, I'm going to ask Brother Steon if you would ask God's blessing on these folks joining and on the message we heard and on uh, what, what the Lord's doing here at New Heights Baptist Church. Brother, if you would.